This is Life Uninhibited, the only podcast just for Enneagram Sixes, brought to you by an Enneagram Six, me, Kristen Messagey. Hello, Sixes. Welcome back. Episode two. Releasing this podcast has been a lot of fun so far, and also a lot of other feelings. My body is processing a new level of exposure, which my body reads as a threat, which is totally understandable and fine and not a problem. I'm really glad that I know that so I can manage those internal experiences with care and continue to be kind to myself on this journey. It's been an adventure in the things I want to talk to you about today, which is the origin of the name of the podcast, as well as some of my personal and coaching philosophies, which is all under this greater umbrella of humaning. I mean, this is what we're all contending with is how to human, how to live well with other humans, how to human on a planet. Humaning is tough. And one of the big lies we tell ourselves is that if it's hard, it's because something has gone wrong and there's someone to blame. So our brains are kind of always in this space of if I'm having a hard time, then something's gone wrong and I need to find someone to blame. If it's me or it's someone else, I need to figure out who did the thing to cause the hardness so we can avoid that in the future. We can avoid toughness. So part of our work is to you know, crack open and create space for the fact that life is tough. Life is lifey, it's relentless, and it is hard. And there are things we can do to impact our own experience of humaning. So life being hard doesn't necessarily mean anything has gone wrong, and we absolutely can impact our own experience. Both of these things are true. And here's another true thing. I don't know how you should human. And this is actually something sixes get to contend with on their journey is how much time we spend thinking about how other people should be doing things, how other people should not be doing things. Our brains automatically go into other people's brains and experience. Now, what I do know deeply is what gets in the way for sixes figuring these things out for themselves right? Really figuring out their best human path, really connecting to their own thoughts about things that then they can act on. So let's get into it. My hope for this episode and for all episodes really is you start to gain a compassionate understanding of how we operate. The reason we need some level of compassion on board is because true self-awareness is going to reveal some painful things some scary things, some disorienting things. Okay, sixes don't handle disorientation well. We would much rather throw ourselves or someone else under the bus instead of hanging out in the space of, I don't know, this is complicated. More will be revealed. Disorientation 
is a core fear for sixes, right? Not having secure orientation. This is core fear stuff. So we don't handle it well. I do like to say we don't handle it well until we can, until we have the capacity to do so. So compassion is a capacity builder, right? And this whole journey is about increased capacity to be a whole human. Another one of my personal philosophies, personal as in you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to argue with me. You get to have your own thoughts about what I'm about to share. See, I'm seeding a little teaching in here. (laughs) We get to have our own thoughts about things. So here's the philosophy. We are always doing psychological and spiritual work. And to do one without the other is a potentially incomplete experience of humaning. It leaves something on the table at best and can really do harm at worst. When we try to do spiritual work without a firm, healthy psychological foundation, we run the risk of doing all sorts of damage to ourselves and others. And when we only do psychological work, it can just get very mechanistic. Like, well, this means this, and that means that. And we don't leave room for the magic and the mystery and the paradox, the things that make no sense and yet make all the sense. Our spirituality is where we make and find meaning. These are meaning-making paradigms, right? So that which we all came from, what we are going back to, the through line of everything. And really, it can help right-size us in the world and help us orient to what really matters, which for sixes is so useful because an orientation to what matters the most to us can help us navigate the fog of doubt, second-guessing, all of that. Now, if you're thinking, Kristen, I do all that without a spiritual orientation, great. I mean, truly great. I'm really not here to be an authority on anything. I'm here to invite you and your brain into a deep exploration of yourself and your life. And if anything, be a guide back to you over and over again. This is what I do as a teacher. This is what I do as a coach. I believe in cracking open exploration over coming to conclusions, learning how to live consciously, not about, you know, this is what to think. The Enneagram is amazing because it really allows for revelation and exploration in both of these dimensions. It's an incredibly dynamic moving system. At the end of the day, I think most schools approach the Enneagram as a spiritual tool, but we know it gets used in all kinds of secular context as well. Honestly, we get to decide. We get to decide how we approach these things and use these tools. And listen, I know, okay, I know I'm not confused or lost about how differently people think about spirituality. (laughs) I get it. But for me, it's an invitation into the mystery of us. It's an invitation to the mystery of humans, which is endlessly compelling to 
me and in my experience more complete than our current psychological understanding of how to human. So also at this point, I do want to add to everything I was just saying, my actual approach personally and as a coach is super practical. I mean, I think this is one of the gifts of six is we really want to figure things out in the, you know, the here and now, because we want to have a different experience. So just being sort of like up in the theoretical can really keep us lost in our head. So what I bring to all of this theory is really a practical how to approach. You know, my toolkit is far more than just the Enneagram because as great as it is, personally, I was really lost in the Enneagram in terms of, okay, how do I actually bring these things into my life and have a different experience? Coaching is not theory. Coaching is getting into the actual practical application. How do I use these things to make my life different, better, more what I want? Okay. So this whole idea for the name of the podcast, which I have a story that I can't name things. Naming things is hard, but when this one landed, it was just one of those moments. I was like, oh, that's the name of the podcast. So I'm going to go through this part of the book, just kind of talk you through it. This book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram by Sandra Maitri is an incredibly beautiful, deep, wonderful book. I do have a tiny asterisk. Uh, I have some issues with the sixth chapter. I don't want to get into it here, but just, just there it is. It's a little, it's a little problematic in some ways. If you can get past that, it is really an incredible book. So I'm going to talk through this part. So she talks about how as sixes, we don't trust the instinctual part of ourselves, which is really true if you think about it in terms of things we don't like in people. We don't like if we register something as self-serving or arrogant or someone just you know, being so sure of themselves without questioning themselves. We're very suspicious of this. Like, where do you get off being so sure of yourself? <laughs> we don't trust those things. And, and then of course, sometimes conversely, because as we know, anything we say about six, the opposite can also be true. Sometimes we really seek out that surety and sense of self in another person or in a group of people because we use that to get some of that internally. So, you know, we like it or we don't. Sometimes it depends. It's these instinctual parts of ourselves where we get this sense of self, self-serving pieces, self-aggrandizing pieces, things that we really think are threatening can come from our, in- our instincts, our instinctual part. So we don't trust our instinctual part because we sure don't trust your instinctual parts. So there we are. We're kind of set up in this vicious cycle. 
where, this is from the book, inner impetus and perceptions that could be constructive and supportive, right? Anything that just comes from you is doubted and invalidated because it might be coming from that dangerous part, that instinctual, animalistic, self-serving part. So anything that comes from us that just bubbles up, this might be a useful idea, your instinctual thoughts, the shadow of doubt blocks that impulse, blocks all impulse, making it something to question rather than act upon. It goes on to say, while six is often actually acting impulsively and reactively out of their fear, which we know is true, any spontaneous inner contents are suspect and are picked apart by the mind and rendered lifeless. And this she calls self-inhibition. All types have an anti-self-action. This is ours. So I just want to read a little bit more. It says the result of all of this behavior, right? All of this questioning and doubting, which at its heart is self-protective behavior, ironically undercuts the very ground the six is standing on, which, okay, this is me now, paradoxically is our worst fear to have our very ground be shaken or undercut. So literally our personality makeup is doing the very thing that we are so afraid of. Okay, back to the book. It says, I mean, this is in my mind, a spiritual paradox, right? This is what we're working with. Okay. The book says, what this does is psychologically render oneself impotent. It deprives us of our own vitality. Okay, now listen, this is tender stuff, okay? And this book is like that for every number. It's really deep and beautiful and painful. And here we are in this together. So... This is what our anti-self action is, as we literally inhibit ourselves, our ideas, our sparks of genius with the doubting, questioning, also the critical mind. So that's, this is it, which is basically saying when we are living from this paradigm of shoulds and should nots, because we know we can trust what might come from within we are cut off from our own vitality, from our own sense of freedom to be in the world. Just this, uh, we can't let ourselves live. Okay, so this is why the podcast is called Life Uninhibited. Okay, so the self actually gets to bubble up, come out and live in the world. I did Google uninhibited and I got this definition that I like. It said free and natural without embarrassment or too much control. Right? We're not talking about not being thoughtful about how we show up in the world, but 
Rather, I want you to imagine, again, these things that come from you, your ideas, your beliefs, your desires, really how you want to live in the world gets to gets to come out without too much control, without too much fear, and gets to live in the world. You yourself gets to live in the world more freely. So I want you to start imagining what would an uninhibited life look like for you? What areas would be different? How would they be specifically different? How would your relationships change? What might you explore? What might you have permission to do? You know, if you knew how to deal with the shadow of fog and doubt, if you knew how to manage and work with your own inhibition, which is sexiness, what might you do? So here's an example. Asking Valerie to be on the podcast. I, you know, I was thinking about the podcast. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I literally had this just instinctual idea. Ask Valerie (laughs) to open the podcast with you. I literally had met her one time and then had been on a panel that she was helping to run. I didn't know her. And so I had this idea. Immediately, my brain offered a ton of doubt. Of course it did. Well, Kristen, that's the dumbest idea ever. She's going to think you're crazy. This podcast doesn't even exist yet. And I'm going to say, hey, can do you want to do this with me? Clearly, she's going to think you're crazy. She's going to know that you are a fraud as a coach. I mean, who would do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what do I do with those thoughts? What do I do with that doubt? I literally said to myself, yeah, she might think all those things. And I sent the email and she said, yes. And we had an incredible conversation. If I listened to my doubt or I had needed to be sure ahead of time, I would never have sent that email. We would never have had that conversation. It, you know, none of that would have happened. So that was a happy outcome. And of course, happy outcomes aren't always the thing. So what if she had said no? Well, that would have been okay, right? I wouldn't have thrown myself under the bus. I would have probably had some feelings and I would have moved on. So This is a tiny example, but I always say our life is lived in the tiny examples. So a tiny example of myself sparking an idea and my uninhibited capacity to act on it. And this is more of what I want for all of you. Okay, that's what I have for you today. Talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening today. Remember, you can get a free confidence series on my website, kristenmessagey.com, which I will link in the show notes, and I will be back with y'all next week.